awesome worship. I know I feel like a broken record when I'm up here, but man, you bring excellence to this ministry each and every week. Y'all give it up here one more time. Awesome, man. I got another question for you guys. Did y'all enjoy cuffing season? Oh, yeah. That was our dating series throughout the month of October. If you weren't here for them, you can check them out on our podcast. Search The Hills College on any podcast streaming platform. Also, we dropped another podcast episode just this past couple days. It was with Miss Alicia and Mr. McGlamory. They talked about dating, marriage, sex. So go check it out on the podcast. So it's going to be a good one. But hey, guys. Um, Tonight's going to be an awesome night. If you don't know me, my name's Garrett. I work here on staff with the college ministry. And um, when Brian's actually in New York, he'll be back this week. He's in New York living his best life with Kirsty, celebrating their 10-year anniversary. So we're looking forward to him coming back. Um, but I, he asked me to preach a couple of weeks ago, and I had actually had a, a message kind of planned out, mapped out about, like, the simplicity of the gospel and kind of felt the Lord leading me in a different direction. And I talked to Pastor Keith yesterday, and I was like, Pastor Keith, I'm tired, man. I don't want to write another sermon. He's like, well, did God put it on your heart? He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. He's like, well, then you're going to be disobeying God if you don't preach. And I was like, all right. So I got to it this morning. This thing's hot off the press. Just finished it a few hours ago, but it's going to be a good word. Um, If you don't know me, I drove a Prius for about five years of my life. Um, I drove a truck in high school. It was a pretty nice truck. And Love that truck, but I was blessed to get a scholarship to go to a school, local school, but it's kind of far away. It's about an hour away, and uh, we decided that I'd live at home because it saved me thousands and thousands of dollars um, living on campus. So I lived at home, and my parents were like, you're going to drive this Prius? And I was like, everything in me was like, no, no, please, no. But I decided that'd probably be the best, the most wisest thing to do because I drove an hour to school each and every day. So I whipped that Prius around for five years, man, I was... I actually went on my first date with my fiance, and I didn't drive the Prius. I drove uh, one of my family's cars, and I was like, I, drove a, I drive a Prius. She's like, well, where is it? I was like, you might not ever see it. So. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, well, actually not unfortunately, about a year ago, I actually totaled the Prius. I hit a deer going 75 down the highway. I was listening to Cascade Hills worship. I was just, I was just praising the Lord, and a deer comes and just Killed the Prius, totaled it, airbags deployed. I'm, tra- I'm traumatized to drive now because that deer scared the crap out of me. But um, so the, the Prius died, and uh, I was on Facebook Marketplace. I was like, I need a car like ASAP. I can't have my parents driving me around for the rest of my life. So we got that insurance check. It was a pretty good insurance check. And I uh, got on Facebook Marketplace, and I found a pretty nice BMW. Um, and the guy, we met with him, and he was like, yeah, uh, I used to drag race this thing. I uh, put a bunch of bells and whistles on this thing. I was like, bro, I drive a Prius. I don't know anything about cars. I just need something to drive. Will you just sell this thing to me? He was like, yeah, okay. So I got this BMW. It's pretty nice. It's not like crazy nice, but it's pretty nice. Um, so I drove that thing around for about two or three months, not really knowing you know, what was under the hood because I drove a Prius. I drove that thing like a grandma. So I, two or three months, I was driving the BMW around real slow, and I got kind of curious. I was like, what's under this hood? So I did my research. I, I, he kind of sent me what he did to the car, and he put a TP charge pipe, boost pipe, I don't know, just a bunch of stuff, put an air intake in it. And then I learned how to uh, put it in Sport Plus mode, use the dynamic traction control, and I was like, dang, this thing's fast. But for like, I'm a, I'm a responsible driver, okay? Don't, don't get it twisted. I am a very defensive driver too. I actually just got in a wreck two weeks ago in my fiance's car, so the Beamer is okay. But... Um, <laughs> It's okay. But for like two or three months, I was driving this car kind of real slow, not knowing the power under the hood. 
but I learned how to drive it, and I was like, dang, this thing's fast, this is fun. But I think that relates so well to our prayer life, that we all walk around maybe anxious, maybe depressed, maybe struggling with suicidal thoughts, maybe just struggling with different things, and we don't understand the power that we have through prayer. Just like I didn't understand the power under the hood of my car, we don't understand the power that we have through prayer. And I kind of want to share with you guys, um, preach from my vulnerability. I go through these, these cycles where my, my prayer life is like really good for about three, four months, and then I hit these ruts and these ditches where my, my prayer life is kind of not what it should be. So I've really been in that stage. I've been in that rut for the past few weeks, and the Lord's really convicted me. So I've been diving into the scriptures, diving into some uh, books. This book right here, What Every Christian Ought to Know. Guys, I can't recommend this book enough. A lot of the content is from this book right here. So I'm going to be quoting Adrian Rogers a lot. Who wants this book? Anybody want this book? Avery. I gave it to you. I gave you one the other week, Slade. You lost it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> we love you, Slade. Yeah, but that book is good, guys. A lot of that content is from this book. But uh, we got to understand, guys, that we have power through prayer. That's tonight's title, Praying with Power. Praying with power. Maybe you're wondering, like, maybe you've asked the question, how do I even pray? Maybe you've never been taught how to pray. Is, is it just talking to God? Is it, is it, do I have to dress nice? Do I have to go to a priest to pray to God? And we're going to explore the Lord's Prayer tonight. And Adrian Rogers says this. He says, as Christians, we must realize that nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which uh, lies outside the will of God. Prayer can do anything that God can do, and God can do anything. It's a powerful quote. I'm not going to lie, kind of up to these, these past couple of years of my life, I had a very low view of prayer. Maybe it was just a faith thing in my life I didn't really understand. Maybe it was just I wasn't taught to pray properly. But I had a very low view of prayer. And just what I've been learning lately over the past couple of years, and my, my, my view of prayer has become higher. It's, it's been put in its rightful place. So I don't know what each and every one of you are going through right now. Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's loneliness, maybe there's a need in your life that you need met, maybe it's a financial need. Maybe your, your rent just went up and you're like, how in the crap am I going to pay for this? Maybe it's an emotional need, maybe, maybe there's a need in your life that you might be met. I don't know what you're facing tonight, but look what Adrian Rogers says. I told you I'm going to quote him a lot. That's what he says. You do not have a failure in your life except that which is really a prayer failure. There is not a sin in your life that proper prayer would not be avoided. There is not a need in your life that would not be met if you learned to pray. So good. Now, I read those words a, a while ago, and I was like, what? I almost didn't believe what Adrian Rogers says, that, that there is no sin in your life that proper prayer would not be avoided, that there is no need in your life that could not be met if we learned to pray. But then I started, started kind of reflecting on my life, and I was like, this is so true. Like when I go into these ruts, when I go into these, these seasons where my prayer life isn't what, isn't what it should be, everything else kind of just seems to go downhill with it. When my prayer life goes, everything else just kind of goes with it. So we should be encouraged by this quote, but we should also be challenged by this quote. Maybe you're sitting in here and you're knee deep in an addiction. You hate it. Every time you, you fall, you're like, God, I don't want this. God, would you please strengthen me? God, would you please Heal me. Hey, I've been there. But there's your answer right there, plain and simple. Proper and genuine prayer. Seems, so, seems too good to be true, right? 
But that's our answer. And yes, when it comes to addiction, there's a place for accountability. There's a place for community, maybe even counseling or therapy or, or CR, an amazing ministry we have here at Cascade on Tuesday nights. But we've got to remember there is not a sin in your life that genuine prayer would not be avoided. Maybe it's a need in your life, a, a, a real need, not a want. God wants to hear your wants, and he'll give them to us according to his will and his timing. But God promises to meet our needs. So again, maybe your, your rent just went up, and you're like, crap, I need a new roommate, or I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. God wants to hear your needs. There's not a need in your life that could not be met if you learned to pray. So I want to challenge you all tonight to have a higher view of prayer. Maybe some of you in here, you say, well, Garrett, I just have an amazing prayer life. Well, good for you. Please come tell me. Give me some tips because I need them. But if you're living and breathing in this room tonight, we could all improve our prayer life. So tonight we're going to explore the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you guys have heard that before. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to understand how to pray. It gives us a guide and model to, to pray. And also we got to understand the power that we have through prayer. So you guys ready to dive into that? Let's do it. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, I ask that you would just forgive me of my sins, God, so that you can hear this prayer. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to your word tonight. Lord, give me the words to speak. They're not my words, but your words, Lord. Take away any distraction in this room, Lord, and help us to um, just have our hearts revived tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We'll have it on the screens for you. It says, Pray like this. This is the NLT version. Some of you might know the King James Version. But uh, it says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us of our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So verse 9 says, Pray like this. In this passage, Jesus was talking to the disciples come up to him and said, Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus says, don't pray like the Jewish religious leaders of the day. He says, don't pray like the pagans. Don't pray like the pagan temple worshipers. He actually says, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their, their, their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. See, the Jewish leaders of the day, where they would stand up on, on the podiums and in front of the temple, and they would just repeat these grand-esque prayers. They would just babble on and just repeat it. And Jesus says, we're not supposed to pray like that. So Jesus tells his disciples, pray like this. This is, this is the Lord's Prayer is a model for prayer. It's not something to be repeated in a repetitive way or babbled over and over. It's a guide. It's a model to teach us how to pray. We get to fill in the blanks. Dr. John MacArthur, a very, very uh, great theologian and pastor, it says, it is not so much a prayer in itself as it is a skeleton which believers are to flesh out in their own words. So the Lord's Prayer is a guide for our prayers, not something that we just repeat. I remember I had a football coach in middle school, and uh, he would make us say the Lord's Prayer uh, during game, before games and before practice. And I, I admire his boldness to do that at a public school, but that, this, uh, this Lord's Prayer is not, it's not the purpose of it, to just repeat it. It's to teach us how to pray in the proper way. It's a guide, a skeleton. So I'm not going to have any points tonight, no point one, no point two, no point three. I'm just going to break down this passage for you guys. You can take notes. There'll be some stuff on the screens you can write down. But the rest of verse nine says, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Now, I believe this is the best part of the Lord's prayer. I think it's the most powerful. 
This verse says that we have a God, a loving Father in heaven, and we are his children. We're children of the Most High King. As Christians, we have special access to God the Father through the Holy Spirit and because of what Jesus did, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Now, this is something that not everyone can say. Hear me out. Yes, God loves all people. God loves his creation. God created the the birds and the bees and the fish and all the other stuff. And he loves his creation. And yes, God loves all people. God desires all people to be saved. But the unbelievers, the unchurched, are not a part of the family of God. And hey, if you're in here checking things out for the first time, you don't consider yourself a Christian. Hey, that's totally cool. We're so, we're so glad you're here. We'll give you a chance to enter into the kingdom, the family of God here at the end. So just hold on. So we, have, we as Christians, we have, we've been born again into the family of God. There has to be a spiritual rebirth to enter into the family of God where we say, God, I'm a wretched sinner. God, thank you so much for saving my soul. I place my faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross. Then and there, we're entered into God's family through the Holy Spirit and because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I think that's the best news there ever is. Not everyone in, uh, not everyone in the world can say they're part of the family of God. And what's amazing about this verse is we serve a good God, a loving God. Maybe you're in here and you have a father wound. Maybe your father uh, was abusive. Maybe your father was just not there. Maybe your, your parents got divorced. Maybe you didn't even have a father. And I, I, that's terrible, and I, I'm so sorry that you went through that. But I want you to understand tonight that you have a loving father in heaven. You have a gracious, merciful, loving father in heaven that wants to bless your life, that wants to give you good things. He deeply cares about you and loves you. He's full of mercy, full of grace. James 1.17 says, every good thing given, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. God loves you so much. He wants to give you good things that are within his will. And everything that's within his will is good. Maybe you might not want God's will, but I promise you God's will is what's best for your life. The rest of that verse says, may your name be kept holy. And what this means is when we pray, we should have a deep reverence, a deep respect for God the Father. See, God is loving. God is merciful. He's full of grace. He'll forgive you time and time again if you genuinely come before him and say, God, forgive me. But God is a just God. He's a God of justice. He will judge sin. So we have to have a deep reverence for God. We have to have a deep respect for the name Yahweh when we pray. But alongside that, when we praise God for who he is and and what he did for us in our lives, that's the first and foremost thing you should do when you pray. Bring honor and glory to who God is. Adrian Rogers says, all powerful prayer is packed with praise. All powerful prayer is prayer packed with praise. So before you do anything when you pray, first and foremost, you should say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you've done in the past. Thank you, God, for what you've done in the future. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for saving my soul. I was bound for a real place called hell, but you sent Jesus to save my soul. God, I'm so thankful for that. That's how we should pray. Before we do anything, before we ask for our needs, before we pray for others, first and foremost, all-powerful prayer is prayer packed with praise. Verse 10 says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
So may your king come, kingdom come soon. This is, a, this is a very outward prayer. In our time of, of prayer, when we're praying, to, we're praying that God's kingdom would come to this earth, it's, it's outward. This is a time we pray for, for our community. It's a time we pray for our leaders, our, our politicians, or maybe, uh, not maybe, our president. We pray for those people who are in power. We pray that God's will will come to this earth. The main thing here is that we pray for the lost. We pray for the unchurched. Another quote MacArthur says, he says, praying for the kingdom to come is praying for the salvation of souls. I heard one pastor say, he says this in a real and miraculous way, God's kingdom is coming to earth each time a new soul is brought to the kingdom. Can I just say, aren't you guys glad we are part of a church who has the heart and mind and mission of Jesus? Aren't you guys grateful for that? There's no other place like this. To reach the unchurched, to reach those lost souls, and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is God's kingdom coming down to this earth. So when we pray, we're praying for outward things. We're praying for maybe our lost family members. We're praying for our community. We're praying for our country, our politicians, our leaders. Outward prayers. We pray that God's kingdom would come, for God to move, for God to save, and for God to change hearts. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the next part of that verse. Now, this part of the verse is very similar to may your kingdom come soon. This is as well an outward prayer. We pray that God's will would come for others, but this is also an inward prayer. It's a prayer for our souls, our spiritual wellness, our spiritual growth. That's where I want to camp out for a second. Now, I might be wondering, the will of God, what is the will of God? There's a lot of uh, confusion around that. People are like, I just want to find God's will for my life. I'll make it very, very simple for you. Scripture clearly states what God's will is. Basically, Scripture is God's will. 1 Peter 2, verses 15, it says, For such, for such is the will of God that you do right, follow Scripture, that you may silence the arrogance of foolish men. First Thessalonians 4, 3 says, For it is the will of God that your sanctification that is, you have sustained from sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything we give thanks, for it is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Romans 12.2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we transform our mind? Right here. Verse that verse says, So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Basically, again, what the will of God is, is scripture. It's the do's and don'ts of scripture. God says, become this person, stay away from this thing. Do this and stay away from that. That is God's will for our lives. You guys get that? You're following me here? This is God's revealed will. There's two types of God's will. God's revealed will, which is right here, and his mysterious will. Those are those big picture things like, where do I need to go to graduate school or who do I need to marry one day? Or should I move to Texas and take that job? That's God's mysterious will, his, his hidden will. But this is God's revealed will right here. So those big picture things, God's hidden will. We always seek God's will in everything we do. So we pray that, God, you would reveal to us what your will is. Romans 12, too, I read that verse just a second ago. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove 
what the will of God is. So these big picture things that, you, that, that scripture doesn't clearly, explicitly say. Like the Bible doesn't say, I should marry Avery. He's single, y'all. Oh, no, he's not. I forgot. <laughs> Sorry, Amelia. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Alex is single. Yay. But scripture doesn't clearly say, Alex is single, you should go marry him. No, those, that's God's hidden will. That's his revealed will. But the more that we renew our minds in scripture, the more that we follow his word, the easier it is for God to show us his hidden will, his, his mysterious will. See, sometimes we get it twisted. We want to we say, God, just show me what I want to do. Show me where you want me to go. But we have no concern of following this Bible every single day. Don't get it twisted, y'all. When we follow God's revealed will, when we follow his word, when we abide in him every single day, God will clearly show us those big picture things. I heard a pastor say that, that sometimes God's not as concerned about where you go to work. Should you go to Dallas and work? Should you go to L.A. and work? He's more concerned about how you're going to work in Dallas or how you're going to work in L.A. God's revealed will. So we pray that God's will will be done in our life. I don't know, everybody in here is struggling with something. Again, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's depression, maybe it's overeating. Find out what God says about these things and pray them over your life. Something miraculous happened when our prayers align with the will of God. God will move in your life in a mighty way. When we pray scripture back to God, God will move in a mighty way, trust me. So find that thing you're struggling with. I don't know what it might be. Find what it says in Scripture and say, God, I don't want this in my life. Your will says, that verse in 1 Thessalonians says, for it is your will of God that your sanctification to abstain from sexual immorality. And you say, God, I don't want this in my life. God, it's your will that you said I abstain from this. God, would you please help me? Would you give me strength? Would you cleanse my heart? God, you say it right here. It's your will. Let it be done in my life. So we pray for God's will in our own life, and we pray for God's will as an outward prayer as well. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11 says, give us today the food we need. So you might have heard this says, give us today our daily bread. Now this refers to us pleading with God for the things that we need. It's not about our wants, it's about our needs. And again, God wants to hear your wants, and he might give them to you according to his timing and according to his will, but he only promises us to meet our needs. Philippians 4.19 said, may, may God, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God wants to meet your needs, guys. Adrian Rogers says, I am convinced that many Christians do not have their needs met when God desires to meet those needs because they cheat themselves by failing to pray. So what are your needs? Not your wants. What are your needs? Maybe you need to find a new job. Ask God for it. Maybe you need a place to live. Ask God for it. God wants to hear these things. You want a godly spouse? Man, you want a Bible study baddie? Look, get on your knees and pray for that girl, okay? Not just to pray, just to, oh, God, I wish I had a, I had a wife. Like, I don't know. Once or, once or twice a week. Get on your knees and diligently pray for that woman, and I promise God will hear your prayers, and he will answer. That's my challenge to you guys. 
Ask God according to his timing and his riches. He will bless you. Maybe you need strength to stay away from a particular sin. Ask God for strength. I don't know what it might be, but James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. Is it a legitimate need? Ask God to provide for you. Adrian Rogers gives a really cool illustration um, from the book that I gave Avery. He says, one of these days we're going to get up to heaven. The Lord's going to take us into a big closet, open the door and say, look in there. You see all these things? Those were yours. There are provisions I made for you, but you wanted the devil's sour oranges, and that's what you got. You have not because you ask not. Now, wouldn't that break your heart when you enter into heaven and God opens that door and says, you could have had all this. This was all yours. I wanted to meet your needs. I wanted to give you good things, but you had not because you asked not. If it's a legitimate need, Inside the will of God, God wants to provide for you. He wants to meet your needs. We have not because we ask not. So when we pray, tell God what you, what you need. Could be anything. Not your want. Tell him your want. But tell God what you need. And he promises to answer your prayers. Verse 12. And forgive us of our sins that we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now this is where it gets fun. Adrian Rogers says, sometimes our prayers are not answered because there is unconfessed, unrepented sin in our life. Not that he cannot hear, it is that sin has come between you and holy God. Oof. Now, what it, this doesn't say is that God won't answer your prayers because you have sin in your life. If he didn't answer our prayers because we have sin in our life, we'd all be screwed, okay? It's unrepented, unconfessed prayer that gets in the way and hinders our prayers. This theme is seen all throughout Scripture. It's seen in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel. And it's seen all throughout the New Testament. And why would God answer our prayers? If he answered those prayers when we have those unconfessed, unrepentant sins in our life, it would just encourage us to keep going on sinning. So ask yourself, if you don't feel like God's answering those prayers, if you feel like God's not hearing those prayers, is there unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life. When you pray humbly and you come before God, make sure it's genuine and say, God, please forgive me of these sins. It breaks my heart that I'm breaking your heart. I don't want this. God, I'm going to turn from my sins and chase after you. God, go hear your prayers. Sometimes that's the first thing I do when I pray. You won't hear one person at Cascade Hills Church on staff that doesn't say, God, please forgive me of my sins when they start praying. That's the first thing that they always say because we are sinful broken people. So if there's unrepentant, unconfessed sin in your life, maybe that's why God's not answering your prayers. So humbly come before him and ask for forgiveness, and he will forgive you. He'll forgive you again and again and again and again, because he's a merciful, patient God. Aren't you glad God's merciful and patient with us? Man, I sure am. The rest of that verse says, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Pretty straightforward. If you're holding a grudge for somebody in your life, if there's someone you have not forgiven, that could be the reason that God is not answering your prayers. See, we forgive because we've been forgiven. We forgive because Jesus took our payment and punishment on the cross. We've been forgiven a great many sins, so how could we withhold forgiveness to somebody? 
Now, I know some of you in here, you might be, have some trauma. You might have some real things that have happened to you. And I get that. I know it's hard. But we forgive because we've been forgiven much. What if God was like, I'm not going to forgive them because they did so much against me. Uh-uh. We have to have the heart of God, guys. We forgive because we've been forgiven. So ask yourself, you feel like God's not answering your prayers? Is there a grudge you're holding? Is there someone you haven't forgiven? If that's you tonight, I would encourage you, the first thing you do when you walk out this door, it might be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life. But go extend forgiveness to that person that hurts you. And God will bless your life. God will answer those prayers. Verse 13 says, do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This last part of the verse is so important. Y'all, we have to understand that we have a real enemy named Satan. That from the second that your feet, two feet hit the floor when you wake up, Satan and his demonic workers are cooking up something. They're devising something to make you fall and stumble. That sin that so easily entangles you, when your two feet hit the ground, they're saying, what can we do? How can we trip them up today? We have a real enemy. Every day you wake up, you're going to have a head-on collision with Satan. He's coming for you. He roams around like a roaring lion, and he wants to destroy your life. If you don't believe that, you will never understand your need for prayer. Satan wants to do everything to keep you from praying because he knows if you're not praying, he can beat you every time. But he knows if you are praying, that you can beat him every time. So we have to pray this every single day, y'all. William Coper, in one of his hymns he wrote, he says, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. That is so powerful. That's why it's so important to pray this prayer when we arise in the morning. Because right when you get up, Satan's working. Adrian Rogers says, this is not a prayer to be prayed at the end of the day. This is a prayer to be prayed at the beginning of the day, right? When you wake up. Now, then you might be thinking, you're like, oh, mornings. I, I'll tell you, I hate the morning. I hate mornings. That's probably where my prayer life kind of gets off track sometimes because I hate waking up. I get it. I am not a morning person. But let me ask you, how bad do you want to be free of sin? Are you tired of coming to God again and again and saying, God, I'm so sorry. Here I am. With the same sin again, how bad do you want to be free of that sin that so easily entangles you? I want to be free of that. We come before God every single morning and say, God, would you strengthen me today? God, would you give me protection? The biggest hindrance to your spiritual walk is pride, y'all. Oh, God, I've got this. I can take my phone in the bathroom and just scroll through TikTok. Ain't nothing's going to happen. God, I can go into that bar. I'm not going to take a sip. I promise you. I'm just going to go in there and have fun. God, I can go to her apartment. We're just going to go watch Netflix. Pride is your biggest enemy. Satan will attack you full force when you think you are strong. You can never assume you are strong because that's when Satan will throw everything at you and hit you like a dump truck. Trust me, I've been there. We can never assume we're strong enough because usually we're not. Satan, his demonic workers, 
They're out there trying to destroy your life. Every single day, they're cooking up something to, to kill you. We have to be on the offensive, guys. Prayer is a, an offensive weapon. So is the word of God. Adrian Rogers says, God builds a wall of fire around us when we pray for protection and deliverance from the evil one. If you don't believe that, examine your life. Look at those moments when you said, oh, I can handle this. I got this. Those are the moments that we are the weakest and Satan attacks us the most. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, there's another part of the, the prayer that's not in the original manuscripts, and it's the last part of the Lord's Prayer. Just for time's sake, we're not going to go over that tonight. But um, again, guys, this is a model for prayer. This is not something that you repeat every single time. It's a, it's a model. It's a skeleton for prayer. Maybe you're in here, and you already have a good system of praying. Maybe you have the, the prayer journal, and you got the, the postcards. Hey, you keep on doing that. I'm not telling you to change up your whole prayer life. This is just a model we can use. If you're struggling, if you don't know how to pray, just open up this, open up the scripture, read that verse, and model your prayer life after that. I promise you it'll change your life. Nathan, I'm done. You can come up, man. But it's so important, y'all. We have power through prayer. Maybe some of you in here, sometimes I feel like um, I'm just surviving. I'm not thriving. You guys ever felt like that before? You're just surviving. You're getting through day to day. You'll go a week, maybe two weeks, having victory over that sin, and you stumble right again. You come back to God and say, God, I'm so sorry. It's me again. Maybe you're just struggling with depression. You feel like you can't get out. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's worry. Prayer is a weapon, y'all, when we go on the offensive. So I promise you guys, if you have a higher view of prayer, if you understand the power of prayer, if you understand how to pray, I promise you God will move mountains in your life. When we get on our knees and pray, God begins to work. So I would encourage you, have a higher view of prayer. Try it out and see what God does. Now, all of us in here, none of this matters because we have a thing called sin in our life. What sin is, is anything we do against scripture right here. Anything we do against God, it could be lying, could be stealing. We've all sinned here. I'm a wretched sinner, chief of the sinners. That's what Paul said. That's me. And our sins, they separate us from holy God. See, God's holy. God's just. And if God's holy and just and righteous, he actually has to judge sin. He wouldn't be holy and just and righteous if he didn't do anything about sin. But God loves you so much. It broke his heart that he could not be in relationship with his creation. He loved you so much, he sent his son, Jesus, all God and all man. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, fulfilled all the laws, kept all the Ten Commandments, something I couldn't do for ten seconds. And Jesus was put on a cross. He wasn't a victim. He was a volunteer. He wanted to go to the cross for your sake. He could have called on a legion of angels to rescue him from that cross. But Jesus said, not your will, or not my will, but your will be done. And on the cross, God poured all his wrath, his judgment, his fury, his anger for your sins and my sins on to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ had a brutal death in our place. See, y'all, it should have been us on that cross. 
the great news is, is he was put in a tomb, but three days later, he rose again, defeated sin, defeated death, and in that moment, paid for our sins, paid the price that we deserved, and he remains the only way that we can be made right with holy God, the only way we can be made, make it to heaven. I love Pastor Brent's illustration that he gave this week, and he said, if an angel from heaven uh, stole the Lamb's Book of Life, where the Lamb's Book of Life is, is all, everybody who's going to heaven's their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What if an angel stole the Lamb's Book of Life, popped it down right here at the Hills College and said, hey, if you give me a nickel, I'll let you look. Guys, if you feel hesitation in your soul right now that you might give that nickel, my friend, you're lost. Pastor Bill says, if you're 99% sure, you're 100% lost. One thing I like to say is, if you died right now, if you had a heart attack, boom, died right here at the Hills College, we'd have an awesome funeral for you. But if you died right here and you woke up at heaven's gates and God said, why should I let you into heaven? God's, if your answer is anything but Jesus, God's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. I can't think of anything more scary than God saying, depart from me. I never knew you. If your answer is, well, well, God, I, I gave $20 in the tithe box last week, or, or God, I said my prayers every once in a while. God, I attended church. I tried to get there maybe once a month. God, I, I did some good works. I gave to a charity one time. God, I walked my grandma across the street. God's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. If your answer is anything but Jesus, my friend, you are lost. If God asked me that question, I would say, it's because Jesus died for my sins. It's because Jesus paid the price for my unworthiness. It's because of Jesus I can enter into heaven. And if, you, if that's your answer, God's going to say, welcome in my good and faithful servant. It's only Jesus. The biggest question in your life is, what did you do with Jesus? There's a real place called hell, and we love you enough here at Cascade Hills to not tell you the truth. If hell wasn't real, then let me ask you, why did Jesus have to die? So if you want to enter into God's family tonight, if you want to accept that tonight, we're going to say a prayer in a second. This prayer is not a magical prayer. It's not your, not your free ticket into heaven where I say, oh, I got my free ticket and I can do whatever I want to now. No. If it's true salvation, if it's true trust in Jesus, you turn from your old sinful ways. You say, God, I was going in this direction with my lust, my lies, my anger, my jealousy, but God, I trust in you and I'm turning from my old sinful ways and I'm following you. That's what true salvation is. That's what true repentance is. And we're not going to be perfect. We won't be perfect till we're in heaven. So if you want to do that tonight, Y'all bow your heads with me and say a prayer, something like this in your heart. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know that my sins, God, they separate me from you. But God, right now in this moment, as much as I know how to, I put my trust and faith in you. I put my trust and faith that Jesus paid the price for my sins. God, I promised I'll never be ashamed of you. God, I promise to follow you the rest of the days of my life, repent of my sins, and chase after you with everything I have. God, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All heads bowed, 
all eyes closed in the room tonight. If you said that prayer, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. I want to see you. Just real quick, up and down. I want to see you. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. You guys can open your eyes. If you said that prayer tonight, y'all, there's a table right over there with Aaron. He's standing right there. We want to meet you. We want to congratulate you. We don't want, to, we don't want anything from you. We just want to meet you, celebrate with you, give you some more content, give you some more uh, resources to get you started right on your Christian walk. Guys, you can stand. I'm going to say a prayer of your life real quick before we go into worship. So y'all bow your heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we thank you so much for this time and place, Lord, that we can come and learn about you, God. I pray everyone in this room, God, would have a higher view of prayer, Lord, that they would understand that we have power when we pray. When we're on our knees praying to God, we have power over Satan. We have power over sin. We have power over our depression, our anxiety. Whatever it might be, God, help us to understand that we have power through our prayers. God, I pray tonight that these, these students and, and young adults would go out into this world, pray these outward prayers for your kingdom to come, that your will would be done in their workplaces, in their schools, maybe even in their families, God, that they would pray for unchurched people and lost souls to come to repentance and faith in you. God, give them the strength and boldness to do that. Give them the strength to wake up every day. I know it's tough in the mornings, but to cry out to you and ask you for protection and strength. God, we love you so much. We thank you again for what you did on the cross. In Christ's name we pray.